0: Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into conscious leadership and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. Thrive is brought to you by Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Join thousands of agencies that are already incorporating web inclusivity into their service offerings visit accessibility.com today. So welcome back to Thrive. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to lead with self-compassion and why that is so important for your entire agency. I'm joined by the always wonderful Massimo Bacchus, a team development and executive coach focused on compassionate leadership. We'll learn a little bit about what that means and he's also the host of the leadership mind podcast which i'll be on soon so look out on linkedin for a little note about that massimo thank you so much for joining me i am just based on before we hit record i'm very excited to actually have this conversation with you today
1: me too thank you for having me and i'm 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 always buzzing in conversations with you kelly so in a good way
0: so I think I always love to level set these conversations, especially if it's kind of a new topic or a new theme um, that the audience may be a little unfamiliar with. So what do we mean in terms of self-compassion just for humans in general? And then what is the context of that in terms of leadership?
1: So the work of self-compassion about 15, 20 years ago was was something that emerged out of the work from Dr. Kristen Neff, and she's a professor at uh, UT Austin. And it's really an examination of compassion from the perspective of what does it look like to be compassionate for ourselves? When we oftentimes think about compassion, it is looking at the other people. How can we be more compassionate in society, within our relationships? And the concept is about recognizing another person's suffering, which is essentially what empathy is, with the added step of and wanting to alleviate that suffering. So that's how compassion is defined. Mm -hmm. Understanding what is someone's suffering and then how can it help alleviate that?
0: So it's the action orientation around it.
1: It's the action orientation. So if you flip that internally and you say, okay, well, what am I suffering? Which we as you know serious, fully formed adults, we oftentimes don't like to recognize our suffering. We don't like to recognize that we're needy and we have unmet needs. We don't like to realize that we have big emotions and instead we cover our emotions by having feelings about our feelings, which I'm sure listeners are familiar with. And Kristen Neff's uh, simple, you know, framing of it is can we treat ourselves with the same type of compassion that we would treat a a friend or a loved one or a coworker or someone that we care about? And how do we go about doing that? The research that her team and, and many other scholars have done over the last many years has continued to point to the tremendous benefits of self-compassion. But not only does it help with just overall happiness and contentment in life, with flourishing, with resilience, with the ability to hold ourselves accountable and deal with the difficulties of life in a, in a productive way and not be, you know, defeated by hardships, but to be able to be compassionate towards ourselves to create inner strength and forward movement so that we can actually work through that. Because as we all know, life is a constellation of high highs and low lows and things in the middle. Mm -hmm. And there's a equanimity that occurs when we practice self-compassion that helps us not get dragged down into those deepest, you know, dark places in our low points. Mm -hmm. And it even helps us to be more mindful of the high points so that we can truly appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, that's speaking to those people that when they win the big deal or, you know, win in a competition, they don't even allow themselves to celebrate. They quickly beat themselves up for, I could have done better, even though I won. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's the simple simple kind of breakdown of it. Can we treat ourselves with the same kindness that we do others? Mm -hmm. And can we get rid of the, the myths and assumptions we have around, well, what does it mean to be kind to myself? Does that mean that I'm that I have self-pity or that I'm giving myself a pass, that I'm going to be lazy or complacent? And none of those things are true in the context of self-compassion, but they're they're very common misnomers.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting because the way that you talk about the high highs and the low lows, my Buddhist psychology coach talks about impermanence, right? Very Buddhist philosophy. So impermanence means that, you know, those high highs should be celebrated but you should also have the recognition and the awareness that that's not, you're not going to stay in that state of the high, high for a long time. So while you're there, celebrate it. And the same thing goes for the low lows. And so my analogy back to her is like, ultimately what I'd like to do is just be kind of laying on the boogie board, right? Like let it go up and down, let myself feel all of those emotions and experience whatever I'm going to experience, but not, you know, try to say, stay suspended in the high, high Or feel like I'm at the bottom of the ocean when I'm in the low, low, right? So it's just a kind of like riding that energy and riding that waves. And I know that that sounds a little esoteric, but I think what you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about all of the benefits of this and how, you know, it really is extending way beyond just how it impacts ourselves, right? It's how it impacts a lot of other people, whether it's in our personal lives or at our agencies. So I'm wondering from your work with clients, why do you, why do you see, or what is the most common sort of set of reasons why people fall short of self-compassion?
1: Well, what I find time and time again, is that people don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. They understand compassion or they think they do. And the great work of self-compassion hasn't made it into the zeitgeist, at least within organizations. And within, you know, the the hearts and minds of leaders. Not yet, yet
0: anyway. <laughs> not
1: yet. And that is, you know, that's what I'm driven to do. You know, not alone, but it, it's something that I uh, I believe to my core is this single most important practice for all leaders to practice. And we're not practicing it. And I know that uh, firsthand from being a leader myself. And I know it firsthand from working with thousands of leaders as a coach and working in leadership development that it's not happening. And it comes in the form of perfectionism. It comes in the form of believing that I'll be at my best as long as I'm continuing to whip myself to be better. It comes in the form of social comparison and looking towards others all the time to see whether I'm worthy or I am valued or I am enough. It comes in the form of Looking at organizations, and essentially, you enter an organization and you enter a hierarchical structure that says, if you're worthy, you'll get promoted. Whether that's explicitly stated or not, that's what happens in all organizations. And we're really working hard to break this paradigm, I think, currently. And I just met with a woman, Bev Cave, who, who's written books like Love Them or Leave Them, but she's been writing about this concept for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's still present. So we haven't solved for this idea that. We go into organizations and look for all these external places to, to validate ourselves and to be seen as enough. And that's why you know, conflict and difficult conversations and feedback becomes such a difficult place to be because people don't have the resilience to recognize that whether or not this feedback is a glowing review or says that I've got 20% to improve or 50% to improve, I'm still a human being and I'm still worthy of my goals and my values and learning and getting better. So those are the different types of archetypes that I see with my clients and with leaders across the board, where it's apparent to me that self-compassion is missing. And there's three main pieces of, of self-compassion. I think it's important to kind of define these so I understand like yeah. what it looks like in practice. So the first is called common humanity. And basically what this means is that I'm not alone in my suffering whether it means that I got a bad performance review, I got laid off, I'm going through divorce. I have a, um, a sick you know, parent that I'm not alone in this. There are other people that have experienced either the exact same thing or have experienced this type of suffering. Sure. And to recognize that we're not alone allows us to move away from isolation, which happens when we're overwhelmed and we're flooded with our stress hormones of You know, I'm the only one, why did this happen to me? And we can kind of go into that victim mentality, but to recognize this is, this is suffering and this is a part of the human experience. So it helps to anchor us. Like people have gotten through this before I can get through this. The second piece is around mindful awareness. So to what we were talking about before, can I be aware of what my emotions are without judgment? So instead of having feelings about my feelings, can I recognize what my feeling is and get curious about it? I'm feeling anxiety right now. I'm feeling really stressed. I'm feeling angry. And in parts of our society and in certain demographics, it's not okay to have the full breadth of expression of feelings. So we repress those. But what all the research shows is that when we actually allow ourselves to feel a feeling, that feeling dissipates within 30 seconds or less. Mm -hmm. But when we repress it or try and fight it or intellectualize it, it persists.
0: distract or numb or all the things. yeah. Or all the things.
1: Yes, that that it continues on that that feeling or it morphs into other feelings, but you're not actually processing it and working through it. And I always think about, you know, and I work with a lot of engineers and, and kind of tech minded people, and this resonates with them, but that our feelings are just data points. A feeling is a data point that speaks to an unmet need that I have. Something is missing, and that's why I'm feeling this way. So we can get curious about it, then we can understand what is this feeling telling me? And then I can take action on that data. I can do something with it as opposed to just wallowing in the discomfort or worse, wallowing in the deflection or numbing or whatever your best practice projection
0: is. onto someone else.
1: Yes. Exactly. Maybe the worst
0: case scenario.
1: Yes. And then the third piece of it is about self-kindness. And that's the action-oriented step of, okay, well, what can I do? Again, if if compassion is recognizing suffering with the intent to alleviate it, how can I alleviate the suffering that I have? And in the smallest forms, it could be, you might be feeling this way because you're hungry and you've been in meetings all day. So get something to eat or have a glass of water or go for a walk, crack the window and get some fresh air in your office. You know, I realize we're all still in these Zoom meetings day in and day out. But it can be very, very small things or it could be something bigger, which is around I need to have that difficult conversation. I need to set a boundary. I need to protect my time more vigorously. I need to do an audit of what are my values and am I living in accordance with my values because I, I seem to continue to fall into a place where there's a, a values clash. So with those three pieces and you can enter into the model or you know any of the three legs of the stool at any point in time, you get better at practicing you know, this model of Mm self-compassion. And the last thing I'll say about it is that while I am a big proponent of meditation and mindfulness practices, I do not believe that self-compassion needs to be something that you set aside 10 minutes a day to do it. There are many meditations around self-compassion, loving kindness, gratitude, appreciation that you can. Mm -hmm. But I think if someone can just get really clear on what are my emotions right now and what are they telling me and ask yourself that, constantly throughout the day your experience and capability of practicing self-compassion will, will skyrocket yeah by being in tune with your own you can empathize with others
0: right well, that brings me to to sort of like a building on that point or clarifying that point even further you talk a lot about the difference between being a leader and doing leadership and it's almost like the 10 minute a day mindfulness or meditation practice is actually doing leadership, right? It's like a thing that you add to the task list as opposed to embodying or being a leader. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Oh, you just hit on one of my hot buttons, Kelly. So,
0: (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, I've been accused of that before.
1: (laughs) No, no, no disrespect to any of the great apps out there, like Headspace and Calm. It all has
0: its place, right?
1: It all has its place. When I saw clients of mine get into meditation, and then when they would share the benefits of it, they would say, here's my streak of how many days I've meditated. I'm sure there's value in the practice of doing that, but it it has become gamified as to it's a to-do list thing. It's something I need to check off my list.
0: This is the antithesis of actual mindfulness meditation,
1: right? Exactly as opposed to just being and we are people that organize by what are you doing today what tasks are you getting done we're in meetings talking about that all the time Uh, we structure our lives around lists and our calendars and so we're all oriented towards doing and we're measured on what have you done the quality of being piece to it is what was the quality of how you did those things Were you anxious and stressed out? Were you bitter? Were you defensive? Were you lashing out at people? Were you short and cold and closed minded? Or were you treating yourself with kindness and others with kindness? Were you curious and open minded? Mm -hmm. Those are all the elements of the quality of being. So we still want to do the things, but in what way do we want to do them? What do we want the quality of our our being to be? Mm -hmm. And, this ties into all of the great work from, from Goldman and, and Tasha Yurik around emotional intelligence and self-awareness. But at any given moment, can I recognize what is the quality of my being coming into this meeting? Coming into this meeting with you, I was feeling positive and joyful and optimistic. I was looking forward to having this great conversation with you, but I could have maybe just had a bad meeting prior to this. And I would have needed to do a check to say, what energy am I taking from that meeting into this meeting and if I don't do that check to be mindful this conversation could be very different maybe I would be tense or nervous or you know it wouldn't it wouldn't flow as nicely
0: yeah yeah did you know that one out of five people in the U.S. is living with some form of disability I'm proud to partner with Accessibility as they work toward the mission of making the web accessible to everyone it's time to prioritize inclusivity. Ensure that your own website and your client sites can be accessed by all and that they're ADA compliant. Head over to accessibility.com forward slash thrive to learn more about their agency partner program. Now back to the show. So the, I mean, you just laid out so many of the, you know, how this could kind of go sideways, right? If you don't, if you don't do that little self check-in um, so what are the impacts of, or or the value in this as a practice? Cause that's really what it is, right? You're talking about being a leader is a the, the definition of that is really, it's a practice. It's a daily, almost, I would say minute to minute practice. And that's how you develop more self-awareness, more self-compassion, all of that. But like, what are the impacts on that, of that beyond, just ourselves, right? Like what, how could that, if we're, I mean, obviously right now we're talking to, you know, creative media and technology agency leaders who have a tremendous amount of pressure on their shoulders. They're responsible for their teams. They've got to make sure their clients are happy. They're thinking about what is my impact or purpose in the world? How does this directly correlate to those, the, the impacts beyond themselves?
1: So I think there's a a big misunderstanding when it comes to the mindset that we take on when we become leaders. And we think I'm a leader, but I need to remember to be humane. I need to remember to be compassionate. Mm -hmm. I need to remember what it's like to be a human. So we think about leaders being humans and I want to flip the script on that. And I think it's, we're all humans trying to be leaders. Mm -hmm. The notion of, of leadership is a human made construct Mm-hmm. like the calendar, right? So we're, we not born with these things or knowing how to handle all of this. So the question is, how do I not lose my humanity and my ability to connect with others and recognize the need for belonging, what it means to be fulfilled and happy and what it means to suffer and, and uh, be discontent or burnt out for myself. So that increases my emotional fluency. And in doing so, I'm better equipped at recognizing the emotions for other people. Mm -hmm. So that's one impact is that when I can reconnect with the fact that I'm a human first, who's working to be a leader, and I would argue that if we're leaders today, we will continue to work to be leaders until we're here every day, we'll present new opportunities and new challenges. So that's a helpful framing. But from that place, we can have a greater sense of resilience. What's interesting is the research on self-compassion doesn't say if you're self-compassionate, you're therefore more compassionate towards others. But what it does say is when we're self-compassionate, we have a greater resilience and a greater capacity because we're not burnt out. We've taken care of ourselves. We put on our oxygen mask first. So therefore I can be more compassionate for someone else. Right. I'm not redlining and then trying to be there for another person. I've taken care of myself and I can now be there for you. So I think that's one of the big you know, implications of this when we think about how does it play forward for others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the second thing is, as leaders, it's all about us modeling what it looks like. Like If you think about corporate values, they're not words on a wall. Like If you don't behave in accordance with those values, they mean nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you say that you're a compassionate organization and you're not practicing self-compassion, I would challenge that organization to really question, are you truly a compassionate organization? Right. Because you probably don't have the full capacity to do that. And if you can model self-compassion for yourself, others will be able to do that as well. And and that is where, that is the greatest source of compassion in organizations. Mm-hmm. And in, in organizations where leaders are burnt out, this happens a lot within the medical space and, and doctors and nurses, but, they are so compassionate towards others that they burn out. They actually burn out from being so present and available and recognizing the suffering in others and want to alleviate that.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, I I think that there is actually a correlation there with those who own or run agencies. Um, I don't know if it's as, as true that it's, directly correlated to the fact that they are so present with others, so much as they have so much pressure on them to keep the clients happy, right? So it's it's being present and making sure that the clients actually have everything that they need. And there are many, many agency leaders that do that in terms of um, doing that for their people first, actually, even more so than the clients, we would call those conscious leaders, Right but it's it's really interesting the correlation that you're talking about because so many just like your clients so many of my clients are just burned out at such an early age. I mean, I would raise my hand to that. I sold my agency at 36 because I was burned out. you know. So it's there's there's a correlation to that for sure.
1: And when you think about your own experience of burnout in the absence of practicing self-compassion there, what what were you doing? Was it a Pursuit of perfectionism was it? I don't know. Whenever anything's ever enough, so that it always needs to be more.
0: All what of it story. Yeah, it was perfectionism. It was not inherently feeling like I was enough, so therefore, kind of over delivering or you know, going going beyond sometimes our scopes of work until we were able to correct that. Yeah, definitely not taking care of myself just on like a physical health level, you know, forgetting, like skipping lunch and not getting enough exercise and definitely not going on a walk in the middle of the day or carving out a bunch of time on my own calendar. So, yeah, all of the things that you kind of mentioned before, I was like kind of smiling and nodding my head. I mean, that was me for sure.
1: Yeah, There's a, there's like a yin and a yang when we think about this self-kindness piece, which is, you know, again, like, what am I going to do with this information? How am I going to take action to alleviate this difficult situation? And one part of it is tender. It's, you know, imagine the friend that is the shoulder to cry on or the person that you go to, 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 you know, vent and get help and, and they can console you and they can assure you that you are a good person and you are doing great work. And then there's the other friend that is like, I got your back. Like, I'm actually going to go and help you set up boundaries. And like, this this isn't working for you. They challenge you. Mm-hmm. And both of those exist within our own practice. And I think sometimes here self-kindness and we think like, oh, it's all about just, you know, taking naps and going for walks and I'm not going to get anything done. Right. But sometimes it's looking at your calendar and saying, do I need to be in all of these meetings? Is this actually relevant? If I can carve out a 30 minutes to go for a walk in the middle of the day, how much space is that going to create for me to be a better leader for my team and for my clients? Mm -hmm. So is it, is it not a disservice to my organization if I
0: don't take that time? Yeah. Yeah, You're trying to pour from an empty cup at that point, right? Yeah. Not going to help, not inspiring, not going to work, you know? It's interesting, too, because when you talked about kind of the two different friends and the, the kind of qualities of the, those two different friends, what came up for me was the definition or my uh, one of the definitions of love um, that I've sort of subscribed to from one of my other coaches, my shadow work coach. And she defines love as uh, the combination of support and challenge and so what you're talking about with those two friends is like yeah the supportive one who's going to say no 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 you're you're doing great you know everything's everything's fine and then the one who's like okay now what are we going to do it's the action orientation right and so doing that for ourselves like right? back to what we're talking about here self compassion but really self love has a lot to do with this as well i mean when you say being kind to yourself it's to me that that's all sort of interwoven with loving yourself, right? I mean, that, absolutely. it just absolutely. creates opportunity and, and it creates possibility for so much more within your organization.
1: Kelly, just before when we were getting started, we were having a, a conversation and, and I think it was about this notion of the absence of self-love. And I'm forgetting the exact point that you had so eloquently brought up, so I'm hoping you can recall it, but we are not we are not brought up in Western society to spend a whole lot of time thinking about loving ourselves. Right. In, in fact, in organizations to say that you love someone in certain places could be seen as, you know, a weakness. Or maybe. <laughs> or, or inappropriate, right? Yeah. And for me, I realized that I was getting in my own way, that I was having the opposite impact that I wanted to have with my team and with my organization, because I didn't love myself. And so I was compensating. I wasn't aware of any of this. I didn't, you know, this was, you know, predates uh, the work that I'm doing today, but just the acknowledgement that, yeah, actually having a practice of being able to love yourself in that space of, you know, challenge and support. Support. Mm -hmm. It is both of those that has completely changed you know the the paradigm it's completely changed the, the the prism with which i view the world and and it's the work that i do with leaders now to recognize that this missing ingredient this thing that we've been avoiding and running away from all this time is actually the missing ingredient
0: yeah.
1: because the truth is most leaders have all the skills knowledge capability to perform at the highest level they've put in the work they've built the credibility But when trust breaks down or when they burn out or there's toxic cultures, that's not because someone doesn't know how to do the tactics of their job. Mm -hmm. It is because going back to being and doing it's because the quality of their being is flawed. It's toxic because it doesn't have the capacity to come from a place of love.
0: Right. Right. And I think um, maybe just kind of one of the takeaways from this is that maybe we just have to all start getting more comfortable with using that four-letter word in the Uh workplace, right? There's nothing wrong with it. I actually, I've said this before on the show, I have my email signature as with love and gratitude, Kelly. It's I'm unapologetic about that. That's who I am. That's how I coach. That's how I... Even in a consult, when I wear my consulting hat, you know, for me, it's like, that's such a, an important piece of who I am. And if I'm modeling that right for these leaders who I'm working with, I see nothing wrong with that. I've had coaching calls where at the end of the coaching call, I'll just say, I love you. And they're like, I love you too. That's the kind of relationship that I want. I don't find that to be inappropriate. Somehow, some way along the course of time, we completely abandon this idea that like there's human emotion and like deep meaningful relationships that can be developed in the work environment. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm going to one of my client's birthday parties at his house. I mean, that's the kind of relationship I want. And I, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting, but I want to, before we wrap up, I want to touch on this point that we also talked about a little bit earlier um, before we hit record this idea of the more that you develop self-compassion, the more that you do love yourself and therefore can show up for people on your team, in your life, in other you know groups. A friend of mine, Justin Foster, the way that he talks about those, those types of people who have this inherent power, confidence. I don't know what other word I would use. Just kind of, innate leadership, like natural leadership, and also are incredibly self-aware. He calls them conscious alphas. And, you know, the conversations that he and I have had where he's like, I see, I see that in you. I see it in myself. Therefore I can see it in you. I see it in a, a select other people, a select handful of other people. And it's this idea that yes, you can be a leader. You can hold people accountable you can get the job done. You can do all of those things and also, you know, have compassion. That has to start with the self-compassion though and that level of awareness. So yeah, conscious, conscious alpha. So I'm, I'm passing that baton onto you, calling you that, and hopefully you'll take that going forward.
1: I will. And I, and I see that in you as well. And I think that to be unconsciously alpha, um, you can create a wake of, you know, destruction in your path and not even knowing it.
0: Yeah. You want to go into all the examples of that, Massimo.
1: <laughs> yeah. And there are and, far
0: too many of us to, for, for us it, to list.
1: Right. But but when you become conscious of like what impact does this power have mm. and what good could be done with it. And when should it be wielded and when should it be you know held back and reserved, then you're the master of your own domain. Mm-hmm. And that's really what self-compassion gives us the ability to do. It, it allows us to not go off the deep end in any particular way, but to be able to hold up, hold us accountable, but also hold us with with love and care, which is we make mistakes. We're fallible. We learn from them. Let's not, you know, catastrophize something. It's let's also not become, you know, enigmatic and, and believe that, you know, believe or hype too much either because everyone says we're great leaders or something because we're alphas. Like, We're just humans.
0: Right, right. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Um, Obviously, you and I could talk for hours and hours, and it would just be the most fun conversation. So um, I'll leave it there for everyone. But thank you again. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Kelly.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a final note of gratitude to the official sponsor of Thrive, Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Learn more about the win-win proposition and keep your clients' websites inclusive and compliant. Be sure to check out their partner program for your agency today at accessibility.com forward slash thrive.